Around here we always say, see, when you're in the valley, there's a mountain. And when you're up on top of the mountain, you better appreciate the valley because you're going to be in it one day. And then when you're up on the mountain and you're looking down, you just better know that that valley is coming. It is. James says, count it pure joy when you meet trials of various kinds. For the testing of your faith will produce steadfastness. Let it have its perfect and full effect that you may be lacking nothing. He didn't say you might go through some trials. He didn't say you could. It says when. When. Well, that's not our text this morning and nowhere near it. But anytime the Lord says right turn, I'm going to go there. Because that's just how we're supposed to do. You know, Charles Hayden Spurgeon, he, he made this quote, and it'll be on the monitor behind me. It says, foul hearts make dim eyes Godward. To clear the eye, we must cleanse the heart. To clear the eye, we must cleanse the heart. See, we are in the Beatitudes. We're, we're in Matthew. We're going to be in Matthew 5, 8 in just a second. But, but see, the reward of a pure heart is to be able to what? See God. Boy, what a glorious day that's going to be. When you get to see God Almighty, when you draw your last breath and you're standing in glory and the King of kings and the Lord of lords is right there in your midst, what a day, what a day, what a day that'll be. And prayerfully, you're going to be there. Maybe you walked in this morning and you say, man, that dude's already yelling. He's already talking to me. Now, I ain't talking to you. The Holy Spirit's talking to you. Has nothing to do with me. Nothing to do with me. But friends, I want you to know something. There are no pure hearts on earth unless the Lord has made them so. And none shall see God in heaven who have not been purified by grace while here below. See, it is by grace you have been saved through faith. It's not of works. Oh, the Pharisees is about to get real mad because what Jesus is talking about today. They're going to get real, real mad. And some of the religious folks today gets mad because they seem to think you got to do it this way or that way. You got to be holier than thou. No, my friend, you got to be humble down on your knees before God. You must be on your knees crying out. Charles Hayden Spurgeon also said, Lord, create in me a clean heart. He didn't say a dirty heart. He said a clean heart that I may behold thee both now and forever. Man, I could hear Spurgeon just back in the day crying out to God like that. In the midst of the Metropolitan Tabernacle. Man, them people, they filled the pews. And he's hollering back. Created me a pure heart, God. Not something tainted, a pure heart. Let's look at our text this morning before we get too far down the scale. If you have your Bibles or a smartphone or anything of that nature, go on and turn to Matthew chapter 5 and verse 8. If you do not have one, it will be on the monitor behind me. But around here, we like to ask if you could please stand for the reading of God's Word because He is holy and just, and we want to give all due respect to the King. Starting in verse 8, it says, Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. 
go to the Lord in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we come to you this morning, Lord, I ask that you would search our hearts deep, far, and wide. Father, even being in this text this morning, just wrestling with it, wrestling with it. Father, I ask that you would hide this pastor behind the cross and may your word go forth. Nothing of me and all of you. And all of God's people said, amen. You may be seated. So what is it to be pure in heart? Well, first we must understand that this is not some outwardly thing. This is not something you can do on the outside as in rituals or other things to look more holy. To be pure in heart has nothing to do with the outside. This needs to be integrity. It is constant. It is consistent. It is devotional. It is a way of life. It's not something you just do today and forget about tomorrow. To be pure in the heart means you're walking it out. You're talking it out. You're living it out. Everything about you is bleeding it out. But yet some say, no, 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 no. It's about what I can do on the outside. No, my friends. Now that's where the Pharisees got it twisted up. See, we can live with a pure heart while yet still being in a human body form that is still tainted with sins. My friend, we can have a pure heart. Listen, every time you sin, you go before the Lord. Father, forgive me for I've sinned against you. And I'm living out the other beatitude. Blessed is those who mourn because you're mourning over your sin. That is part of being pure in heart. It's not so much about as fast three times a week and, and, and keep up with this command and that command and this and that. No, it's about men going before a holy God knowing that you've been separated over your sin and it crushes you. It crushes you to know that you are separated from God the Father. That is part of being pure in heart. See, the popular interpretation is to regard purity of heart as an expression for inward purity. For the quality of those who have been cleansed from moral as opposed to ceremonial defilement. See, back in the, the, the biblical times where Jesus was talking to the Pharisees, because we have to remember context is everything. Context is everything. And Jesus is talking to the Pharisees. You know, he's already been doing his ministry. Uh, to speed you up on date, because some of you have not been around and being in Sermon on the Mount, we have to understand that Jesus done went around. He's done been healing the sick. He's done been laying hands on them, casting out demons, raising the dead. He's doing all that already. And these Pharisees ain't liking it. They're already plotting against him. They don't want the Savior. They don't want this king. They wanted a warrior. They wanted somebody who was going to come in and just wreck everything. They didn't want the humble and meek king. They wanted it their way. And there is good biblical evidence for this, especially in Psalms about the ceremonial defilement. It was recognized that no one could ascend to the Lord's hill or stand in his holy place without having clean hands and a pure heart. We heard that from David in Psalms chapter 24 and verses 3 and 4 where it says, Who shall ascend, who shall ascend the, uh, the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. 
David then asked the Lord to create in him what a new heart. In Psalms 51 and verse 10, he said, Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. David's crying out for this clean heart. So we see evidence of this back in the Old Testament that is pointing to the New Testament. Then Jesus, he took up this theme in his controversy with the Pharisees and complained about their obsession with external and ceremonial purity. Listen to how he dealt with them in Matthew chapter 23, verses 25 through 28. It says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you clean the outside of the cup and the plate, but inside they are full of greed and self-indulgence. You blind Pharisee, first clean the inside of the cup and the plate, that the outside may also, also may be clean. Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are like whitewashed tombs, which outwardly appear beautiful, but within are full of dead people's bones and all uncleanness. So you also outwardly appear righteous to others, but within you are full of hypocrisy and lawlessness. He was letting them know, you are nasty on the inside. You are like the decay of corpse. Let that sink in. Back then they had these tombs, these mausoleums, and they was all white and beautiful on the outside. But yet on the inside was an old rotten corpse. And this is what Jesus was telling them they was like. You can have your ways. You can do the, the this and the that. But on the inside, you're like dead bones. You're dead to me. You're decaying. So one mark of happiness is to be pure in heart. Having your heart purged from the defilement of sin and being part renewed and sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, friends. Too many times we try to put the Holy Spirit in a box. We'll, we'll say, no, I, I don't really want you today, Holy Spirit. I, I want what makes this old body feel good today. I'd rather not deal with you, Jesus. I don't need no conviction. Friends, when you start doing that, you better look out. You better see danger written real big. Because if that's your ammo, you need to hit your knees and repent and cry out to God and say, God, help me quit living like hell. Because you keep living like hell, smelling like hell, one day you're going to end up in hell. And that's a fact. Without Christ Jesus, you got a one-way ticket. Ain't no Delta Airlines. That's got to do with G-O-D, God. He sees all and knows all and determines all. You know, I've heard stories to where people will go through life and they'll have their sight and kind of went through this this week. And they think their sight's so good and... What will happen is something drastic will happen and they lose sight. And then later on in life, they'll, they'll get healed after time and they will see. Friends, and what a great joy that is to a person that can see. I know for me and them little specks, it was like looking in high definition. When I put them on, I was like, whoa. But it's hard to preach in them because I'm not used to them yet. But to be able to see. All the beauties of creation. That's what happens to the spiritually blind when they call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. 
They go from being blind to now they can see through the lens of Jesus. Which yet there is a greater seeing to come. Yet there is a seeing that surpasses even this as a person getting their sight back. And that is seeing God Almighty. And that's what this beatitude tells us. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. See, since nothing is higher than God, seeing God is the greatest joy one could ever experience. See, when we pass from this world and see the face of Christ, the joy of that first split second will transcend all the accumulations of joy that you've ever had here on this earth. There will be nothing in comparison when you're face-to-face with the Alpha, Omega, the beginning, and the end. When you're face-to-face with King Jesus, the joy that will be erupting up out of you, there is no other in comparison. Some of you sitting here saying, man, he's yelling like a madman because I got joy in my soul because I'm going to see my king one day. And I want you to have joy in your soul. I want you to get a fire burning deep within your belly this morning. Maybe you need your fan flamed. Maybe you just need a flame in general. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. See, the sixth beatitude, the promise, is about seeing God. Again, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Jesus' word tells us how to get a 2020 spiritual vision. It says be pure in heart. He didn't make it that hard. He put it right there before it. He said, how do I get there? Be pure in heart. What does that truly mean, Pastor? Well, there must be a depth of devotion. This means your heart does not bring mixed motives and divided loyalties to its relationship with God. It is a heart of singleness and devotion to God, pure and unmixed, undefiled. You are devoted fully to Him. Listen, if Jesus is not Lord of all, you know the rest. He's not Lord at all. He don't want you half-hearted. Revelation. He don't want you lukewarm. He won't just spit you out. I like the NASB. He will vomit you out. Holds a little bit more depth and weight to think that if you're lukewarm, you are like vomit in your Savior's mouth. I don't know if you've ever been on a good one before and you kind of get sick and that aftertaste. Think about that. That's what you are in Jesus' mouth when you're lukewarm. He said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. I don't want you lukewarm. I want you all in, not halfway in. See, James refers to this ideal in James chapter 4, verse 8, it says, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. James is giving warning about that being double-minded. He says, cleanse your hands. The Bible, in the Bible, heart means more than just the mind. It also includes the emotions and the will. There's a lot more to the heart. 
See, the depth of the heart is the requirement, as the requirement is uh, further underlined by the realization that it is from the heart that all of our human problems come from. It all starts here. You say, well, where's that at in the Bible? I'm so glad you asked. The prophet Jeremiah said in Jeremiah 17, 9, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Then Jesus said in Matthew 15, verse 19, For out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual morality, theft, false witnesses, and slander. All this is coming from the heart. But Jesus wants to do a surgery. Jesus wants to be the great physician. See, the scriptures are conclusive. They, they give enough. That's all we need is the scriptures. We don't need nothing else. We got the scriptures. We're blessed. See, all we have to do is look to our own hearts of darkness, observing the mixed motives, the distractions, the divided loyalties, to know that this is perfectly true. Man, when I was writing this sermon this week, y'all, boy, I was shown some things about my heart. I said, William, are you really pure in heart? Do you get angry? Do you get aggravated? Is there, is there a little bit of junk in there? And Lord said, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I want you to look at yourself through the lens of the Bible. And it was like, Lord, forgive me. Forgive me, Father, for I'm sorry. And he reminded me, that's the type of heart I want you to have, son. I want you to be observant of everything. That's the type of heart he wants you to have. So how can we ever accomplish this? How can we model this? None of us perfectly models any of the Beatitudes. None of us perfectly exhibits poverty in spirit. None of us perfectly mourn over sins. None of us is perfectly humble and gentle. None of us is perfectly thirst. None of us is perfectly pure in heart. None, no, not one. He was who hung on the cross. He was the one. We are wretched. We're all sinners. We all fall short of the glory of God. Every last one of us in this room. There is no big eyes and little use. We're all sinners. Until we unzip this old earth suit, I'm sorry, but we're all going to be sinners. And then when we get in front of him, when we're resting in his presence, will we be perfect? That's when we'll be perfect. So what are we to do here? There is only one answer. We must cast ourselves on the grace of God and receive his renewal. This is the benefit of this beatitude is the vision of God himself. That is the benefit of this beatitude, of seeing God now. Christians see God now. Of course, we do not see him in his total being because that would be too much for our minds. We would, we would implode. But we do see God now. We see him in many, many ways. Some of the ways as David did, we see him. We see him in his creation. We see him all throughout. Look with me at Psalms 29 and verse 3 and 4. It says, the voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders. 
The Lord over many waters, the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. This is David penciling these in. If you're doing personal spiritual disciplines, you'll know this was David journaling. This is David writing things down. And then listen, listen to when David saw lightning to what his response was in 29 verse 7 of Psalm. It says, the voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. Well, if you got a little Pentecostal in you, you know what I'm talking about. When you get that flame of fire deep within you, boy, you be ready to just jump, shout, holler, hoot, and howl. You be ready to get down. That's it. And be glory to God. There's glory to God. You see, this kind of seeing is a special possession of the believer. But we also see the footprints in the hand of God in nature. Just look around outside. You know, when, it, when the leaves start to come out on the trees and it gets ready to rain, I want you to do this next time. I want you to look at them leaves, how they'll automatically flip over and the veins of the leaves will be showing to take water in. How in the world do they do that? It's called God. God speaking to them. He says, I won't give you life. I won't give you life. Maybe you're a gardener. springtime hits and them flowers come up and they're oh so beautiful who created them God we get to see him at work all the time all the time so seeing more of God the sixth beatitude tells us that the pure our hearts become the more we will see of God in this life The more our hearts are focused on God, absorbed with him, consecrated on his being, freed from distractions, sincere, the more we will see him. The more we press in and look for God, you will see him. You'll see him. You will see him. Friends, we need to believe it. But bad things happen to me, you say. You say death happens or sickness. How can I see God? Friends, we need faith and vision of Job in this matter. When Job said in Job chapter 19 verses 25 through 27, it says, For I know that my Redeemer lives, and at last he will stand upon the earth. And after my skin has been thus destroyed, yet in my flesh I shall see God, whom I shall see for myself, and my eyes shall behold and not another. My heart faints within me. Man, if you don't know the story of Job, Job went through all kinds of stuff. We're blessed. When we're going through things and and life hits, and and trust me, I know it hits. It's hit all around me, and it's hit some in our church, and it's hit others in the church. But listen, Job didn't have the scriptures, and he still pressed in on God. We've been blessed. He gave us this very word of God, and what we need to start doing is opening it up and saying, Oh, Lord, this happened then. I can handle it if they did because you got me. Instead of saying, But why, God? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing that? Sometimes he's doing things to build your faith up. It's not always for the bad. It's not. It's not. Now think of the complete beatitude here. Blessed, being approved of God. Are the pure in heart, those with clean, unmixed heart for God. For they shall, this is continuously, see God. 
in life here and eternity. Have you ever experienced this? Do you know a purity of heart and unmixed devotion to God? Do you? Listen, friends, this is not to suggest that this is our perfect experience at every moment. It's not what this is. But it's rather do you ever experience, do you desire this? Do you desire to be closer to God? If not, you have a spiritual blindness. And I need you to really hear this. There is a cure for a spiritual blindness. It has existed for over 2,000 years. The procedure is 100%. You say, Pastor, how can you say that? Nothing's 100%. Yes, I can say this procedure is 100% because God's the physician. Not man, God. God is the physician. So here's what you must do. You must be born again. To be pure in heart, you must have a new heart. You must let the great I am walk into the operating room and lay you down on the altar and cut open your chest. Take out that old heart of stone and put in a heart of flesh. The great I am, Jesus, the redeeming one. So what must you do? You must trust God's word. Believe that Jesus' death on the cross paid the penalty for your sins and repent. And thereby receive a new pure heart in the place of your heart of darkness. Because right now if you're outside of Christ Jesus, you have a heart full of darkness and you're walking around spiritually blind. But yet Christ God gave his very best, nailed it to a cross so that you could be reconciled to God the Father. That no longer would there have to be an eternity of separation. No longer would you have to perish in hell, but you could have everlasting life and have it abundantly. Now, ain't no name it, claim it, grab it, blab it, Joel Osteen, talking about you're going to get prosperity pimping. I ain't talking about that. I'm talking about eternal glorification. You will have heaven forever in all that it offers. You'll get more than a jet. Boy, you'll get a flight outside this earth into heaven. And here's what he'll say. Welcome home, son. Welcome home, daughter. But if you're walking around spiritually blind this morning and you're outside of Christ Jesus, here's the words he's going to utter. Depart from me, for I never knew you. Depart from me. And there will be a door that will open under you. And it is eternal darkness forever. You will be cast off. Final judgment, you will be cast into a lake of fire. Oh, hell's real. It's real, real. It's real, real, real. I like to tell people this because, see, we paint the devil with like a little pitchfork and this little spike on his tail and all that. Now, let me tell you how the devil torments you. 
See, what will happen is when, when you're taken into this torment where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth, I always tell some individuals, I'll say, well, brother, I want you to think of hell like this. Could you imagine your kid being raped over and over and over again, and you want to just take off running at the devil, and you get so close, and then clack, because you're chained and you're bound, all for it to happen again and again and again and again. But God sent a way that you wouldn't have to be tormented like that. And his name is Jesus. Jesus Christ of Nazareth. The one who is risen. The risen king. 